It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. On this episode, we are going to talk about all things Las Vegas and look ahead to this weekend's race at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Josh, how you doing? Doing well, Zach. How about yourself? Doing good, man. We, uh, we've got quite a bit of news to get into that's uh, broke here in the last two days, so I'm excited to share the news with our listeners out there. Before we get to that, though, I uh, just want to say thank you to everybody for, for listening. Really appreciate you guys joining us each week. We are rapidly approaching our end of the year celebration at the West Side in Harlan, Iowa. We are going to have a potluck with drink specials. And of course, Norton will be doing his live standings. And that is November 6th at the West Side. We also have t-shirts for sale. So we've got them in gray and blue and in all sizes. So uh, make sure you uh, you get one of those. And then uh, finally, we have been working on creating a website for the league. And it the first version is out now. So if you go to atopthepitbox.com, uh, you'll see a lot of cool stuff. You'll see uh, the link to the podcast. You will see the current standings, historical information. So it is something that is a work in progress. So it is not perfect at this point, but did want to let everybody know, get a sneak peek of uh, atopthepitbox.com and uh, go check it out. That is all of the announcements. So let's get into this NASCAR news from this past week. And first up, Kurt Busch made an announcement on Saturday at Las Vegas. That is correct. Kurt Busch, who calls Las Vegas home, announced that he is stepping away from full-time racing and will not compete next year for the championship in NASCAR. He didn't say he was fully retiring as he did leave the door open to race kind of a few select races each year. Um, but it's just sad to see a driver of his caliber who has had the career that he's had and he's a polarizing figure, by the way. He's very similar to what his brother is in NASCAR. There's a lot of fans that love him, a lot of fans that don't like him. But as the years have gone on, a lot more people have come to appreciate Kurt Busch and respect him for who he is. Uh, and he's gained a lot of fans with that. So, uh, again, it's just sad to see a driver like him uh, or any driver uh, not being able to decide when to retire or, or step away at his choosing rather than an injury kind of making that decision for him. Uh, with that announcement, Josh, I mean, how do you feel about it? Is, are you surprised? So given the way the last couple of weeks have went, I, I guess I'm not really surprised. Um, I would agree that it is sad when someone has to retire due to injury and can't really go out on their own. Um, you mentioned his polarizing uh, stature in NASCAR and it's kind of funny because I didn't know him before when he was, I guess, just a young douchebag that came into the, into the, into the league. Um, I knew him of, you know, once he matured and, you know, the only the last couple of years. So, you know, seeing what he's done with 2311 and kind of be a, a mentor figure. It, it's sad. It's, 
it's a different kind of perspective that I have on Kurt Busch. So um, it, it was interesting to learn that he had that side of him because I, I didn't know that. Um, I would hope that he would continue to be around the sport. I know that he mentioned that TV could be an option. Uh, any, even just a, a, a mentorship role at 2311 and, and staying with that, that team and, uh, you know, working with those younger drivers. I think he, he deserves to be in the sport still. And it overall it's, it's, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, you can make the best of the situation. Yeah. And like you said, I think, I think it would be cool for him to stay around the sport. And from what he said and what I've gathered, I think he will and plans to, uh, he has been an, an announcer in the, in the booth, uh, for some truck series races, some Xfinity series races, and he's pretty good at that. So, you know, maybe that's something that's in his future. He did say he want, kind of wants to go overseas. I think he said he wants to go race some cars over in Australia uh, and do some other things. Uh, so we'll see, you know, I, I don't think he's done racing cars, but it's just not going to be on a full-time schedule in NASCAR. But first things first, he's got to get cleared by doctors and he's got to, you know, get his health uh, first and foremost to where it needs to be for him to be able to race cars. So hopefully that happens uh, sooner than later. Uh, with that being said, though, uh, as of now, he leaves NASCAR with one NASCAR Cup championship and 34 wins. Uh, so he's got a pretty good resume. And, and based on everything that I've read and everything, you know, that I've seen, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer once once that time comes. So pretty impressive career and uh, wish him the best of luck and hopefully he can you know stay healthy. So. Uh, with his announcement of retirement or stepping away, that leaves the 45 car open for, for 2311 for next year. Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, we've, we've kind of been discussing this amongst ourselves here for, for a while with, you know, no official announcement from Kurt Busch until last weekend. Uh, it, it just made sense. And, Denny Hamlin did come out and say that they were able to buy out Tyler Reddick's contract at Richard Childress Racing. So uh, he won't be a lame duck driver next year. He will be taking the number 45 Toyota uh, for 2311 and year, a year earlier than originally planned. His contract was for 2024, uh, but he will be driving for them next year. They didn't announce the terms or anything like that, but you've got to, you've got to assume that they paid a pretty penny to Richard Childress to allow Reddick to, to jump in that car for next year what kind of money are we talking give me a range ah uh, i don't know uh i mean a charter is now 13 and a half to 15 million dollars a year which is mind-blowing uh to get a driver out of his contract i'm guessing again and i have no yeah just throw out a number no knowledge i'm just gonna throw a number i'm guessing it had to be at least a couple million bucks it's a lot of money. And again, yeah, who I, knows if that's even close, but I guarantee you it was a pretty, pretty penny to get him out of that contract early. So he takes over the 45 and Kyle Busch is the eight, right? Next year. Yep. That's going to be strange. It's going to be weird to see these, these drivers with these new numbers. Well, I mean, it's, it's happening every year, unfortunately, with all, with, how, how yeah. crazy free agency is in NASCAR all of a sudden, because again, of the business model of, 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 you know, relying on sponsorship dollars and, 
and drivers, whether they're good or not, if they've got sponsorships behind them, they're going to have a seat. So speaking of that, we got two more announcements for uh, drivers that have rides for next year, right? Yeah, Spire Motorsports uh, had a, an announcement today that they've re-signed Corey LaJoy to race in their number seven car. Uh, I think he's been there two, two years. Next year would be number three. Uh, they've made some really good progress. You know, if you remember Atlanta, he was leading, led about 19 laps. Chase put him three wide, kind of put him into the wall a little bit, or, or else he had a chance to win that race. So they've made some pretty good strides there in the number seven team. And then they also announced that they've signed Ty Dillon to race full-time in their number 77 car. So it's going to be a two-car stable. The 77 car was, was driven by four different drivers this year. So next year, uh, Ty will be in that seat, and he'll be doing that full-time. So they seem to be pretty excited for him, uh, pretty excited for, for where the, the team and the company is heading. So uh, we'll see if they can get a win next year and get, you know, get Spire Motorsports their first win under the belt. So I do like that Corey LaJoy signing. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't understand the Ty Dillon one. To me, he hasn't been good. And I feel like, isn't there anybody that's, you know, in Xfinity that would be better than Ty Dillon? So there, again, I, yes, I think there probably is, but you wonder what kind of sponsorship dollars Ty Dillon was able to get to then bring to Spire Motorsports. I mean, that's so really is what he, it boils down to. How's he related to Austin Dillon? They're brothers. <laughs> They're brothers. So he's a part of that stupid TV show. Uh, or is he not part of it? I don't know if he's part of that show, to be honest. I've never seen the show. Um, <laughs> I don't think, I don't know anybody that has seen that show. I know it's the show is about Austin and, and his family and then uh, his buddy who's uh, either the Jackman or the tire changer okay. for number four. So I always club. thought that just was, was Ty Dillon. That's his best friend gotcha. who's on his pit crew. I don't think Ty is part of that show at all. Um, but again, I think there's plenty of drivers that are more capable than Ty Dillon, but they didn't make an announcement. I got to assume that he's bringing some kind of sponsorship dollars behind him to get, get a ride in that. So, so Ty Dillon, Austin Dillon are brothers. Yep. And their grandfather was who is is Richard Childress. (laughs) So their grandfather is Richard Childress and gotcha. Okay. So their dad, is he a race car driver? Their dad, I believe, married Richard Childress's daughter. Gotcha. And, and yeah, Smart his dad man. has a, I think he has a, he's got a racing background, I believe. And then he works for the company as well. He's one of their, one of their main guys in the, on the competition side, if I remember right. Interesting. So everything's, so, everything's intertwined in NASCAR. So knowing that Ty Dillon is the grandson of Richard Childress, I guess I'm not surprised that he found a ride that, that makes sense. So again, I, again, he has to have some kind of sponsorship dollars going. And, and the, the thing is, is the number 77 car, they've had some pretty good runs here as of late. The last four races with Landon Castle has been pretty solid, but it's not like it's a top tier team. So, I mean, what are the expectations? Maybe <laughs> a couple top twenties at, at yeah. super speedways, you know what I mean? So it's not like he's going to be a contender, but uh, at least he's got a full-time ride. That he does. And 
that leads us into a topic that seems like we have to bring this up every podcast, and and that is around the safety of drivers. So any updates on on that? Yeah, so NASCAR had another safety meeting last Saturday at Vegas. They were able to get through their PowerPoint presentation. They, you know, like like we've pointed out <laughs> in the last podcast, they got to slide two uh, two weeks ago, and that's when all hell broke loose. And that's unfortunately where where they ended. But they were able to get through the entire slide presentation this past weekend. Uh, they showed the drivers and the teams and everyone there the changes they're going to make to the back of the car. And if you want to look into it, you can find it out online. It has pictures. It has uh, color coordination about what it is now, what it was going to be, uh, and based on all the data and the stats and everything that they gathered from their crash test a few weeks ago, uh, they think the changes are are going to reduce the g forces in to the driver by at least fifty percent. Um, definitely a good thing. They're heading in the right direction. I don't think they're done yet. Uh, I think you know, this is a good step in the right direction. So the drivers are okay with this. They're, they're fine with these changes. They, it's a step in the right direction. I don't think they're satisfied. I don't think this is, this is a, you know, one solution fits all type thing where you make these changes and everything else is fine, but they're happy with this step. They're, they're pleased they're, with this step. They are very happy that NASCAR has started to listen to them. Uh, Again, you were you these safety meetings didn't exist and NASCAR wasn't having regular conversations directly with drivers. There was an intermediary who is Jeff Burden uh, right now. But now that has changed because of the issues they've had. So the, the drivers are happy with the changes, but they still think things need to progress and progress faster uh, with the with these cars to make them better from a safety standpoint. Uh, as well as a competition standpoint. And I heard, I can't remember where I heard this, but uh, Toyota is probably going to get a new uh, a new bumper or a new front portion. I think it's a new nose. I think, yeah, new I think nose. that was, there, uh, yeah. uh, it was on the teardown. Okay, yep. So Toyota is going to get a new nose next year because I guess some of their downforce numbers in the, uh, wind tunnel and their sim were not very great compared to everybody else. So uh, again, these things are just, they're going to, there's going to be a lot of changes made in the off season uh, with safety being by far number one. It seems like they're heading in the right direction for sure. So at what point does the changes that they're making to make it safer start to affect the type of racing that we see week to week? So specifically on the, on this rear end change, essentially, if you back the car into the wall, it is going to crush more or cave in more because as of right now, the car is so, so um, strong and rigid that you're able to wreck and basically still continue to race. Well, with the changes they're making, at least for the back end, if you have any contact with the wall, that's pretty significant you're probably going to be done for the day. Or you're going to be significantly impaired to the point where you're not going to be in contention and probably finish multiple laps down. So from the standpoint of racing, I think these guys are going to have to take that into account and probably race just a tick more conservative than, than they are now, especially on these road course races where it's just a, 
you know, chaos and crash fest. Uh, but I do think from an overall standpoint, these guys are going to have to race just a little bit more conservative, knowing that this car isn't as much of a bulldozer as it, as it was this past year. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully they can keep these drivers safe. So let's turn our attention to Sunday's race at Las Vegas. Um, I thought this was just the type of race that we kind of needed to calm everything down a little bit. Uh, we had, you know, mechanical issues and all kinds of issues these past races. Um, some really good racing. Restarts were pretty crazy. Three wide. Some aggressive moves. Um, overall, I thought it was a, a pretty entertaining race. What did you think? I agree with that. Uh, I thought it was a vanilla race from the standpoint that, you know, there was no mechanical issues, no major tire issues. Uh, it, it was just a, a race that you wanted to see where the drivers were able to go out there. They were able to drive their cars. The cars responded. Uh, they were able to make it exciting. Like you pointed out, the restarts were entertaining. They were able to go three wide in some, some portions. Uh, so I, overall, I thought it was a good race and, and essentially let the drivers uh, decide it, per se, and, and kind of let the cards fall where they, where they fell. Which is what we wanted. We've been complaining the last few races uh, about taking it out of the driver's hands, and it was nice to, to see one where they were actually just able to race. But that does kind of limit the number of storylines that we had to follow this week. Uh, but we are going to start off with the Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson incident. So you, can you recap what, what all went down with this? Yeah. So for those that didn't watch the race uh, or for those that are just listening, uh, Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace and, and Kevin Harvick were racing on the backstretch at Vegas. Uh, Larson put them three wide, which the, the, basically the runs on these cars, if you're going too wide, creates such a hole in the air that the car behind you uh, becomes significantly faster. And with the, the way the cars are, you've got to take these runs when you, when you get them. So Larson made them three wide going into turn three. Kevin Harvick backed out. Uh, so it was Larson and Wallace. Wallace was up high. Well, Larson chased his car up the track. He got loose wasn't able to keep his car per se off Wallace and, and kind of put Wallace up into the wall. Um, unfortunately, that's where the stupidity starts. <laughs> Once Bubba hit the wall, he came back down. And, and I mean, who knows if he would have been able to keep going with, with how strong these cars are. There's a, there's a pretty good chance he would have. Uh, he might have broke a toe length. We just don't know. But what he did afterwards was just, in my opinion, moronic. He went down the track toward Larson, and there was a video of him in the car with the data, and he essentially just put the gas pedal to the floor, completely mashed it into the right corner paddle, corner panel of uh, Larson, which then sent his car careening back up the racetrack. And luckily for him, unfortunately for Christopher Bell, uh, he was able to, to hit Christopher Bell just in time uh, and prevented Larson from hit, going head on into the wall where uh, it could have been really bad. Uh, but in essence, he purposely intentionally wrecked Larson. Uh, and then that's not where it starts. That's not where it ends either. He gets out of the, gets out of the car 
and basically walks all the way down the front straightaway to where Larson was and decides to just start pushing him like a complete idiot. And, and Larson's just like throwing his hands in the air, like just basically like, you know, leave me alone. What are you doing? You're, you're a complete lunatic. So um, overall, not a good look for Bubba, a very dangerous thing to be doing. Um, in the end, what, what were you thinking, Josh, as it unfolded uh, live during the race? As the resident NASCAR idiot, I watched this wreck, and I it it felt like to me. I know that Kyle Larson kind of got up high, but it felt like even in rewatching it, that Bubba Wallace had the opportunity to to give the spot up, and he chose not to, which is fine. But you can't react that way when then you hit the wall. Like there's it, it's. They're, they're racing so fast and so hard that even just a little bit of uh, a little bit of error can put somebody, you know, on a different trajectory and a different path. And, and so the way that Bubba handled that was, was completely an overreaction. And to me, it was very dangerous to, to, to do that at, at, at this kind of track or any time, but especially at this kind of track. And not to mention, you take out your Toyota teammate who is racing in the freaking playoffs because you're an idiot and you need to get Kyle Larson back when you both aren't even in the playoffs. It, it's, it, was, it was crazy to me. I thought it was completely out of line. I laughed when he went and attacked Kyle Larson and he fell over. Um, it just <laughs> it looked like it looked like a clown show and Kyle Larson had wanted nothing to do with it. He was like, you know, I, I, who knows? I would pay money to know what was going on in Kyle Larson's head at that time because um, it looked like he was just going to come over and talk to him, and and then he starts pushing him. So it was, um, it was an unfortunate look for Bubba. I know he he's kind of a polarizing figure, and he's kind of gained a lot of respect and, I think, goodwill from fans, uh, even though you wouldn't hear it when he came out at Bristol and, and he got booed. But um it, it kind of wiped away all that and, and is going to leave a bad taste in, in people's mouth. Yeah. If you think the booze were loud at Bristol for Bubba, I, I cannot imagine the next three races. <laughs> it'll um, be bad. Well, I, next two races, but uh, yeah, it's going to be loud and uh, it's not going to be good. So um, like you pointed out, he's made a lot of progress in the sport. He's finally run, you know, with a fast team, good equipment showing his potential and now this is just another black guy you know on his resume and for his career so hopefully it doesn't derail him but uh he needs to sit down and look the man in the mirror and and, and take some anger management classes or, or do something because what he did was completely irresponsible very very dangerous as you pointed out, took out a Toyota teammate who had a legit chance to win that race. I mean, he was a majority of people's favorites for that race in Christopher Bell. Uh, his playoff hopes took a giant hit with that, you know, retaliation move by Bubba. And, you know, NASCAR did come out with, with their reaction to it. And before I announced that, uh, there's been drivers all across NASCAR, present, past, coming out with their opinions. Jeff Burton thought he should be suspended. 
Dale Jr. was in the mindset that you need to dock him 100 points and find him $150,000, but there hasn't been a precedent set by NASCAR suspending drivers for retaliation on the track. With that being said, NASCAR did just announce here a couple hours ago that they have suspended Bubba for one race, no fine, no points, but one race. Essentially, with him being you know out, that car can continue in the owner's championship. Uh, they did announce that uh, John Hunter Nemechek is going to take take the number 45 this weekend at Homestead. Uh, but I think NASCAR had to step in for the safety of the, the uh, sport with the issues that they've had in regards to concussions and, and the car issues. Uh, they had to do something. Uh, and I think the one race suspension is probably uh, it, it fits the crime in my opinion. And it kind of just sets the precedent letting people know that, Hey, if, if we feel that there is retribution on the track uh, and puts drivers in harm's way that there will be a punishment so hopefully these drivers think twice before they do something again like that yeah i mean it was pretty clear when you watched it live that he made a left turn right into kyle larson like so there was there's no really defending it the one one race suspension feels appropriate to me also given that he's not in the playoffs so i think if, if this was a playoff driver they would have a serious dilemma here on what they, what to do but him not being a playoff driver, he doesn't lose any points. The, the owners can still, they're not going to get penalized for that. So it's really just on Bubba, which I feel like it should be. Yep. And so I, I think that's a fair, uh, a fair punishment. I know he did put out an apology on social media this morning, or I saw it this morning. And basically a, your generic apology that said, you know, it doesn't represent the values and and I'm sorry and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I think it really does. I, I, we've talked in this podcast before about Denny Hamlin and the type of team that he's trying to to grow and, and build over there. And I just don't know if this is the type of attention that Denny Hamlin wants for for his teams. Oh, I can guarantee he doesn't want this type of attention for his team. He wants the attention to be with his cars in victory lane and running you know, in the top fives, top tens and trying to win a championship. So I would love to be in that meeting room, whether it was yesterday or today, when Bubba was sitting down, I guarantee you MJ was there. Uh, Danny was there. All the big wigs were there trying to discuss this with him and kind of point out how much of a mistake this was. And, and Bubba's had anger issues in the past. Uh, he's kind of got those under control or we thought, he had them under control before last weekend's race. And, uh, you know, he came out in the past about, you know, depression and anxiety and stuff like that. So uh, I hope he stays off his phone. I mean, social media, I went out there today um, and there is some crazy bad stuff out there uh, about people heckling him and, and the stuff that they're saying. So I hope he stays off social media, stays off his computer, uh, and just, again, do, does some soul searching because that, you know, the move was made in the heat of the moment, which everyone gets, but it was a terrible move to make. It put a lot of people in danger. And uh, I think he'll learn from this. I don't think he'll make that mistake again, but I just hope this doesn't derail his career because this is the best year he's had in NASCAR. Uh, has 
I wouldn't say consistently, but he's ran a lot in the top five and top 10, especially at intermediate tracks. So he's got the talent. He's got the ability. He's got the equipment. I just hope something like this doesn't derail the positive momentum that he's, that he's built this year. Yeah. He, uh, you know, I, I think he will learn from this. Uh, we all make mistakes and all you can do at this point is, is accept the, the consequences and try to, to do better next time. And I think he will, he's got you know a good team around him and, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it, uh, Definitely brought some drama to the to the racetrack on Sunday. Next up, let's talk about the actual race winner. And Joey Logano, your boy, passes Ross Chastain towards <laughs> the end of the race and advances himself and the 22 team into the championship. Yeah, you got to give him props. Uh, the, the 22 car... Uh, has been pretty fast all year and, and that battle with him and Ross uh, Ross was on older tires. Logano had, I think 13 lap fresher tires. You could tell he was much faster than Chastain. Chastain was basically driving out of his rear view mirror, just trying to block him the entire time, which nothing wrong with it. Every driver would have done it. Uh, I thought Ross would have put up more of a fight to be honest. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> uh, I thought he, I thought he would have tried to make Joey's life a little bit more miserable than he did. I mean, he, he blocked him for say three laps, whatever it was. It was pretty short lived though. Um, with the year that Ross has had and the, you know, the driver battles that he's been in and the mistakes that he's made, it's kind of led it led to some hard racing, Again, I was really curious to see if he was going to put up a fight, uh, possibly wreck Legano or, or make a mistake, and, and that didn't happen. Uh, he, he put up a fight, you know, for three laps. Legano got by. Uh, I think it shows some maturity on, on Chastain's part, knowing that, hey, uh, a second-place finish is going to be a good point stay for me, so let's just, uh, you know, finish second stay above the cut line points wise and move on to, to fight another day. Yeah. So with that finish, he's 18 points uh, to the good of the cut line. So I think you're right. He, I, if it was Phoenix, we're seeing a different battle. That's (laughs) it's not going to be that easy happens. Yeah, for for sure. sure. Uh, But I think Ross saw the bigger picture and, and said, you know what? I'm going to take my second place. He, it was clear that Logano was faster and, and he was only going to be able to block him for so long. And so I think he made the wise move and, and put up as much fight as he could without wrecking or putting his team in danger. And he gets the, he gets the second place win. So, uh, Logano, I know you are not a fan of his, uh, I was kind of indifferent until I heard him talk at, at Bristol and he was funny and engaging. And, and so, I kind of lean towards more of a, a fan of his, but he has, he's been steady all year. He's got three wins at Darlington gateway and now Las Vegas. So I can definitely see him being a champion this year, which is kind of crazy to say, cause we, we really haven't talked about him that much. Um, he's just kind of hung around. Yeah. Again, he's just a really consistent driver. He always has been, uh, He's had some pretty good pace. I mean, the whole Penske organization has been pretty fast all year. Uh, you look at Blaney, what he's been able to do. Uh, when he's Sindrick, not driving into walls. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sindrick uh, has had, I would say, a pretty solid rookie year. 
so uh, Penske as a whole is pretty fast. Logano is definitely going to be someone to met to contend with and, and have to uh, unfortunately race against for the championship come Phoenix. I think he's going to, that's good. That's a tough out. Uh, I, depending, you know, who the next three guys it, you know, that'll make the, doesn't the matter. Joe Logano has no friends. I he get, I care. get that, but I, I'm just <laughs> curious to see who the final four is going to be to see uh, who he's going to be racing against. But I think Logano has a, a really, really good chance this year to win a championship, which again, pains me to say, uh, but he's been steady. He's been fast and, uh, he's already locked himself into the championship. So the next two weeks, he's going to sleep like an absolute baby and, and be ready for Phoenix. Have we picked our final four yet? I thought we did to start the back in playoffs. The, at the beginning of the playoffs, yeah. I'll have to go and, back and see. And I can't, I know that I know that I picked Kyle Bush over Joey, Joey Logano, which obviously is not war uh, well. Okay. So your final four was Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Hamlin, and Kyle Busch. And mine was Elliott, Larson, Hamlin, and Logano. So, and I had a champion of, of Hamlin and you had a champion of Larson. So you're already out. Yeah. Um, you've got two of yours out and I've got one out with my champion still alive. So I'm better at this to it than you are. So. Just Add it uh, to the list. Just a good year for you. Everything's coming over office, man. Sure is. I, I again, <laughs> I hope you just blow your wild this year, and then you suck for the next five. It's gonna I'll happen, man. It. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, somebody that did not have a good day on Sunday was Hendrick Motorsports. Rough day for them. Very rough day. For those that recall, uh, I thought it was going to be Hendrick Motorsports versus Joe Gibbs Racing at Vegas. A lot Everybody of the experts, did. yeah, a lot of the experts agreed with me, thought the same thing. And man, Hendrick Motorsports just did not look good at all. Uh, Noah Gregson filling in for Alex Bowman paced Hendrick with an 11 place finish. Byron finished 13th, was never really in the mix. Chase Elliott, he, I don't know if he ever got above 20th in that entire race, to be honest with you. I mean, he As was, I was fully... yeah, you watch the standings and like, I'd had to wait three pages for it to get to like his, <laughs> his spot. I was like, what the is it, going it, on? It was crazy. Uh, he finished 21st. Uh, and then Larson, obviously with his uh, being intentionally wrecked, finished 35th. So I was really surprised by the lack of speed by Hendrick. They've usually you know, this year they've had some pretty good results at these intermediate speedways, and that was not the case. And the, the thing that you've got to think about and, and worry about as a Chase Elliott fan is he had a 31-point cushion going into that race. That cushion now is only 17 points. And you got Homestead, which is kind of a wild card because this car hasn't been there this year. Uh, they did do some preseason testing there, but it's kind of a wild card Uh and then you got Martinsville, which is a short track. And these cars are terrible at short tracks where uh, track position is going to be king. You have to stay up front and, and be up front because there's really not much passing. So if for some reason Chase Elliott is in the back in Martinsville, he very well could be uh, odd man out heading to Phoenix, which is pretty crazy to think going into uh, last weekend's race. Not what you do in the regular season, man. It's what you do in the playoffs. 
And I would say that uh, you brought up Noah Gregson, and I hate to, I don't want to know if I want to give out a bunch of tips on here for people that are going to pick next year, but I think Noah could be a really good driver to watch. He's going to be a really good value, and I think he's a, a pretty good driver for what you're going to get, for what you're going to pay for him next year. So just a guy to kind of think about as you're filling out your teams next year. So um, the results of the, the race, Bubba Wallace won stage one, Ryan Blaney stage two, who had a really fast car and put himself into the wall. I think this was the third time he's just wrecked himself. He's done it a handful of times. Broke him and the right toe link are, are just right rear toe link are not good friends. Uh, he broke a toe link. They weren't able to get it fixed, or or you know, wasn't able to get off the clock and and kind of ended his day. Yeah, and so he sits. He is eleven where did, where, points below the cut line. Where did he end up finishing? I can't remember. Uh, he ended up finishing twenty fifth. 25th. Or 25th, he finished 28th, and then he got three bonus points for winning the stage. So he finished 28th. 28th. So was was did he DNF, or was uh, he just multiple laps down? Multiple laps down, because Cindric and BJ McLeod were all behind him, lower than him. So, so I don't were think they able, he DNF'd. They were able to get his tolling fix then? I think so. I don't know. Okay. For some reason, I thought... Well, let me look at the let me look at the results. Yeah, he finished. He's he was, yeah, he was running. Okay, so he they were able to get his toe link fixed then. Uh, but again, he had a broken toe link, which it seems to me like if you look at all the drivers, he has has to be leading the right rear toe link <laughs> breakage is you know standings. Just some good luck for for Norton's boy there. His team are, or his team is really fast at changing those with how much practice they've had. We'll put it to, to that way. Uh, and then obviously your winner is uh, Joey Logano. Ross Chastain gets the bonus points for most laps led with 68. So now let's head on over to our buddy Jeff Gluck. See what he's got for a poll. Yeah. So so when I was you know after the race I was thinking you know what what are we going to see here from this poll because we were shocked at how bad Bristol was. Uh, and I figured this would be 70 to 80. I thought it was, it was somewhere in there. It wasn't the greatest race by any means, but again, you didn't have any mechanical failure failures that put a lot of guys out. There was no tire issues. So it was exactly the race that NASCAR needed and wanted to see. Uh, based on his poll, 85.5% of viewers thought it was a good race. Uh, based on the poll, the this was the number three Vegas race out of 12. The number one Vegas race was coincidentally this spring uh, for 2022. Um, and it's the first time that both Vegas races have scored at least uh, a plus 70% rating. So uh, the fans, fans enjoyed it. And, and I think that's probably, it's a little higher than I thought it was going to be, but it's, it's, you know, right, right in the ballpark of, of what's to, uh, of what we expected, I guess, uh, from that track. Yeah, it was a, a good race, not a great one. And 85% kind of feels, feels right. So, uh, our picks for the race, you chose, uh, Christopher Bell finished in 34th. I had Chase Elliott 
never a factor in 21st. So uh, another week with no pie in the face. And we can turn our attention to our fantasy. We are getting down to the last couple of weeks here. It's getting really exciting to see the, the fluctuation in the standings. This week, we had a team average of 75. We had a low score from Jack Griffin, 22 points. So a really good week for Jack Griffin. Uh, and then a high from Kenick Rolfus, 135 points. Rough Hate week. To see it. Hate, Hate to see Rough it. week for Kinnick. Uh, that is uh, almost double what the average was. So uh, definitely not going to be moving up in the standings uh, for Kinnick. So uh, looking at the top 12, so the teams that are still in the playoffs, uh, we have a new number one, a familiar number one, Taylor Schleiss, up two spots, Back at number one, followed by even bigger sandwich up four spots, followed by bigger sandwich up one. So the sandwich family is coming, is chasing Taylor. Uh, it's 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 been a battle all year, and it's going to come down to the wire. So uh, number four, Amy Weiss was up three spots, so she was outside of the playoffs, uh, below the cut line, and is now in fourth position. Uh, Adam Studer is in fifth, down three spots. And then our uh, last week's leader, Ryan Brash, number two, had 130 points. And he fell five spots down to number six. Number seven is Jasmine Rolfus. She moved up one spot. Number eight is Kinnick, had 135 points. Obviously, he's going to fall. Falls three spots to number eight. Don Brockman is in 10th. She moved up one spot. Friend of the show, Tracy Norton, number one, 83 points, fell two spots to number 11. Uh, so below that cut line, number uh, in 12th spot is Crazy Dale, number two, who fell two spots as well. And then in 14th spot is Reagan Rolfus, down two with 77 points last week. So, uh, some some interesting movement here. We've got uh, a couple things to to review. The difference between first and twelfth is now 138 points. So really, the leaders are separating themselves from from the bottom pack here. So we had a rough day, like I mentioned, for our previous leader Ryan Brash, um, still above the cut line by 20 points, and he wasn't the only playoff contender with over 100 points. We mentioned Kinnick Rolfus had uh, 135, and Adam Studer had 101 all playoff uh, driver, all playoff teams. So rough weeks for those guys. Amy Weiss moved up to P6, knocking Kinnick down below the cut line. Uh, last week, Norton was pretty convinced that the top six were locked in based on how uh, big of a points gap there was. And Kinnick proved him wrong goes out and throws up 135 <laughs> points and falls out of the playoffs. So just want to bring it up one more time. Uh, I have two teams in the top three, so just enjoying it while I can. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and what's even better is that there's a couple other teams that are part of the Rolfus family. So Robert Schaefer, number one was up P or was up eight spots up to P nine and Steve Rolfus, number four, 
was up two spots up to P13. Both those teams have been eliminated, but are still making a push for the money. Robert Schaefer, number one, is, is in ninth spot and would pay out 10, right? So he is currently would make the money as an eliminated driver. So that's crazy. He's been on a run. He's been on a tear. Uncle Bob is, is on fire right now. Representing West Virginia. He's putting him on his back. So uh, looking at the teams on the bubble, Jasmine Rolfus is 20 points below the cut line. Kinnick Rolfus is 35 points below. Don Brockman is 40 points below. Uh, Crazy Dale, number two, is 44 points below the cut line. And finally, Reagan Rolfus is 51 points below the cut line and is going to need a Christopher Bell-type miracle to continue <laughs> in these playoffs. But I have a funny story. So I told uh, Reagan, who's my daughter, that uh, she was in last place for the playoff teams and wasn't looking good for her. And she looked dead, dead serious at me and was like, did you give me the playoff, the podcast jinx? No way. Like, She's like, did you give me the podcast jinx? And I was like, no, no. So I, the reason she was asking is because I recorded an episode with uh, my two daughters, Jasmine and Reagan, before the playoffs started. And because they made the playoffs and they wanted to be part of the podcast. So I recorded yep. it, um, but I never put it out um, just because of timing and, and just didn't have a chance to. And then Chase Elliott goes out and finishes last. And I was like, ooh, this is a little too close. I don't want to risk this. And so I told them that I wasn't going to put it out uh, until they were eliminated so that they, uh, I, didn't, I didn't bring the podcast jinx on them. So um, funny that it, it, it's even reached, the, even reached my kids. So hopefully we can erase that podcast jinx and people actually want to come on. The old po podcast jinx might be alive again. Yeah, so we're we're trying to avoid it in this household. So, but I got accused uh, of of maybe she thought maybe that I did something that would cause her to have the podcast jinx. So, funny, funny little anecdote there. Yeah, that is that is quite funny. Uh, with that being said, the biggest risers of the week, as you mentioned, Uncle Bob Robert Schaefer, number one, went from P seven to P nine. Even bigger sandwich went from P6 to P2, and Amy Weiss jumped three spots from P7 to P4. Just, I just wanted to look at at Uncle Bob's uh, team here real quick, and tell me if this sounds like a team that is rising in the standings. Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Austin Dillon. No, <laughs> I. That, I mean, Logano's been having some pretty solid runs. So is Harvick, if memory serves right. So is Dylan and Brad Keselowski having some top 15, 20 runs here? Just kind of. Brad finished in 17th, Dylan in 10th. Yeah. We're, and Harvick finished <laughs> top and, 10, didn't he? And Harvick was 12th. So, oh. not, so not really challenging for the lead, but not getting just wrecked solid. or yeah just really good uh 56 points a couple you know 20 below the average and yep. that'll do it for you well, so then just Legano, interesting Legano bonus points help as well uh plus chase elliott with the crazy run he has been on from a fantasy standpoint uh 
obviously gave him a pretty big cushion to work. But not with lately. I, he yeah. yeah he's he's choking in come playoff time, but he, there's big there's a big enough cushion there where. But again, still surprising that that team is is now your P nine team based on just the drivers in there. Uh, crazy, but uh, biggest fallers Ryan Brosh number two went from P one to P six, and Adam Studer number two. Uh, fell from P13 to P17. When you look at uh, the rookies this past week, Taylor Slice, P1. Robert Schaefer, number one, is P9. Patrick McMeekin is up to P22. David Bangert, P25. And then Robert Schaefer, number two, is P35. So now that Taylor is back in P1, I think we should have him on the podcast again. After the season. On? I don't want to do think he would come on? Uh, Let's put it to the test. I, mean, I don't know, man. I, we have I, to run some scientific trials here. Let's see if I, the podcast jinx is real. Can we interview you? I've been on every week. And I, I know, so obviously you haven't, you haven't been, a, you haven't been a guest interviewer. So, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah, we, I'm going to, you got to interview me on my own off. show. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. <laughs> let's, let's get this jinx either. Uh, See if it's real or not, and hopefully it's real so that you, you your teams fall let, out of the top let, six. It would be a damn shame, and you know it. And <laughs> so we'll we'll see. We'll maybe we'll throw it out to Taylor and and let him decide whether he wants to come on or or wait. We do we do have some uh, some people though that have volunteered to jump on the podcast. So we've got you know a decent uh, number of people that we can choose from if we want to do it at the end of this year great if not we've got we've got a good start for next year so that is uh it's a good point exciting exciting part of that Uh, yeah if anybody wants to be on the podcast we are you know as much as i like talking to zach we also like to talk to other people so if if you're interested let nort know let us know and reach out to us and we're more than happy to to have anybody and everybody on as a guest and, and get to know the people of the league. So that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Including Tracy Norton, T Nort. Friend of the show. Friend Friend of the the show. show. We're we're still waiting for you, man. All right. Let's look ahead to this weekend's race. It is the second race in the round of eight is the Dixie vodka 400 at the Miami homestead speedway. I've got four quick fun little track facts for you track fact number one this track has an interesting beginning uh hurricane andrew hit florida in 1992 and completely devastated uh the homestead miami area and there was a miami motorsports promoter named ralph sanchez he decided that he wanted to build a new racetrack as part of the revival of the area so that is kind of where this track uh, began in, in in the idea phase or on the paper phase. Uh, track fact number two, the track was built in 1995 with the first NASCAR race being held in November 1995 and being won by Tony Stewart. So he was the inaugural winner of the Miami or the Homestead Miami Speedway. Track fact number three, The track has gone through multiple design changes, but the original track was a rectangle that was very similar to Indy, 
but because of how sharp and dangerous the turns turned out to be with the high speeds being carried off the straightaways, uh, they decided to make a couple changes. And through those changes, you have the track where it is today, where it is a mile and a half intermediate track with some variable banking. So the track was originally flat, similar to, to Indy. Uh, Indy's pretty flat for a racetrack. Uh, but because of how flat it was, and again, those sharp turns, it was pretty dangerous. So uh, they threw in some variable banking. It's not the progressive banking that some of these tracks has, uh, but there is banking at Homestead Miami Speedway to help with the passing. And your final track fact of the night, the Homestead Miami Speedway was the championship race for 18 consecutive years and that ended in 2019. Uh, in 2020, the championship race moved to Phoenix, where it, 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 that's been the championship spot since. Uh, Miami Homestead, or Homestead Miami, has been sprinkled in throughout the, uh, the calendar year since. Uh, but this is the first time since 2019 that it, it is back as a playoff race, uh, which to me... I am a fan of this track. I think it's more of a driver track than most tracks. Uh, and so I am happy to see this uh, in the playoffs. And, and a lot of the drivers from, from the interviews and everything seem to be quite nervous about how this weekend is going to go with uh, the lack of uh, experience at this track with this new car. This is the first time being there with this new car. And uh, it seems like it could be a one lane type racetrack based on how testing went. So we will see how that goes. What are your thoughts about going to Homestead in this position of the playoffs with no, no previous regular season race, no race with this car? What, what impact do you think that has on anything? Again, I think this is almost kind of a wild card race. Uh, in, in the playoffs, they did do testing. They had two days of testing there. So the teams aren't going to be completely uh, out of the blue or, you know, not knowing what to expect. Uh, I, I do think you're going to see um, some drivers start up front and not finish there. And I do think there's going to be some drivers that start in the back and, and make the right changes and have some good pit strategy and, and ended up being at front in the front at the end of the race. So uh, I, I do think it's a wild card, like I said, but uh, I do think uh, the good drivers will rise to the top from that standpoint. Uh, for NASCAR's sake, I hope it's not just a complete abysmal race and, and they don't have any issues because that would look really, really bad with the season they've had. But uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, again, I know some of the drivers are pretty nervous about it, but uh, Miami or Homestead Miami uh, is a track that I've always enjoyed watching, uh, especially since it's been the championship race in the past, but, uh, it, it'll have, they'll have a large crowd down there, Florida, Florida, Miami likes to party and, and they'll, uh, turn that place into a, to a rock and race event this, this weekend. Do you, through the last couple of years that you watched NASCAR, do you remember this track at all? I don't, I, um, I just know what people have said about it and I can't remember a race being there. Okay. So what, what I guess kind of makes it stand out is I, I believe they're still blue, but the walls are painted like a, 
like a turquoise type blue. Uh, and I think it has something to do with, you know, you, you think of Miami and, and you always think of like neon, you know what I mean? You got like blue, you got pinks, the neon with all the uh, whatever that main drag is in, in Miami. But uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, crew members, teams, they enjoy going to Miami. I'm sure uh, they do for a NASCAR race. <laughs> and, and it's, it's almost Freaking to me, Miami. It's like, man, you're, you're going from Vegas to Miami. Like you couldn't probably ask for a back to better back-to-back -back, uh, race spots from a city standpoint on the, on the schedule. So um, I'm looking at a picture here of, uh, of the track. Does and it have the blue walls? Yeah, it does. It's kind of weird. That's all part of the, they were trying to help. I think I remember reading something about they're trying to help blend it in or, or bring the arts uh, and culture and the feel of Miami to the track. So that's kind of why they painted uh, the walls a different color than than most NASCAR yeah, tracks. Yeah, it looks kind of so. cool. So, yeah, we'll see. Happens. We'll see how the race race goes this weekend. Uh, with that being said, some quick driver stats. Uh, Tyler Reddick leads. All active drivers with an average finish of 3.0, and granted, that's only two races, uh, but he he's a solid finisher there. Kevin Harvick, 7.3 average finish over 21 races, so he's usually in the mix. Chase Elliott, in six races, has had an average finish of 9.0, and Martin Truex Jr., within, uh, with 17 races, has an average finish of 9.9. .9. Uh, with that being said... We're going to jump into our picks of the evening. And lucky me, I get to go first this time. Uh, I haven't put a lot of thought into this. Uh, you again, don't ever put a lot of thought into this. I don't. But I, but I say that because I think you do. I think you you do some research based on, on what you say and, and the drivers that you're picking. I don't like to lose. I really want to win. So... I put some thought into it. Exactly. And I'm an idiot, so, so I have to. I don't. I can't just pick it off the top of my head. So I gotta. I gotta do a little research. You're right. All right. All right. That's fine. So you basically go to the Barnes and Noble and you you grab the the how to pick a NASCAR driver for idiots or dummies book. You you see those books? I got. <laughs> I, I have. I have that already. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but no. Um, keep it short and sweet. I think this is going to be a high line type track. Uh. A lot of the drivers are going to be rim riding is what they call it right up against the wall. I, I don't think you're going to be able to make much progress down low. That tends to favor uh, a select number of drivers. I can think about five or six drivers off the top of my head that, that succeed and are really good at running the high line. Uh, with that being said, I am going to pick a non playoff driver for this weekend's race. And I'm going to pick Tyler Reddick. Yeah, as soon as you said run the high line, I knew where this was going. So, um, all right. So, obviously, his his uh, average finish of 3.0 helped uh, shape that decision, I think. But so, for me, I know I pick a lot of uh, Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlins. Um, I'm a homer, and I, they're in the playoffs, so I pick them. But I'm going to go with somebody else this week. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on. That's are you, right. Are you feeling okay? I just just hear me out. So I'm gonna go with someone that that is a playoff driver that needs to win. 
has been race or has been fast recently. I'm picking Ross Chastain. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Yep. So I I feel the, he's he's gonna be up there, and uh, so I that's gonna be my pick, and and hopefully he can come through with me. We both picked Chevy drivers. Both drive a Chevy. So you wonder if, again, this being the first time with this new car, yes, it's a mile and a half type speedway, but you wonder if a manufacturer has a leg up on the others. I mean, you look at Vegas, Toyotas and Chevys were supposed to be the front runners, and, and look who ended up winning that race. It was a Ford. So, <laughs> well, uh, Maybe that's what we know. do. Instead of start picking drivers, we just pick a manufacturer. <laughs> uh, that might be a little too it might be a little we, too easy we but we might win one so yeah we, we've already talked about what we're going to do next year and we're going to make some changes to to how we do this but um maybe we'll have one one uh one big punishment or, or you know prize at the end of it instead of you know throughout the, the the year but um so good picks different picks um yeah kind of i wouldn't say out of left field but um you know one playoff two, one two drivers that have been non-playoff and for a non-playoff driver reddick has been in the mix consistently so you can definitely see him winning winning this race uh, and just like you can see ross chastain doing the same thing so sure. it's going to for be sure. it's going to be interesting to see what happens i'm excited for this race seems like everybody's kind of has their hopes up and uh as a vikings fan that i know what happens when you get your hopes up but we're going we're gonna to roll with it and uh, hope that we see an exciting race. Just a, a, good, a good race with the, uh, the one car crossing the finish line first. I agree with everything minus that last statement. <laughs> so, no, I'm excited. Again, I hope it, I hope it doesn't turn into a boring race, but uh, that a lot of talk is it's going to be a highline type track or, or a highline type race based on this car and the tire and everything. But... Uh, again, that puts it in the driver's hands. One mistake, we've seen what ha what happens when you, you know, rim ride. You make a mistake, you get too hard in the you wall. Get to pick one right driver here. that's gonna crash himself. I'm gonna make say a prediction. Nord's boy Blaney out of left field. Yeah, yeah. Just pick a name out of the hat. Yeah, Ryan yep. Blaney. You, when you hear toe link and wall <laughs> in right rear, you automatically equate that to Ryan Blaney. So, uh, I think. I think Fords will be fast here, though. They, they typically have been in the past. Uh, so don't count him out all the way. I think he could potentially have like a walk-off type win here at Homestead Miami, but uh, he's got to stay out of the wall, which has been hard to do. So he is Maybe like 11, point, 11, 11 points below. So really, it's, it's so, it's so freaking tight, man. So Hamlin is is six points above, Byron six points below, Briscoe. We even talk about him. His his good day, nine points below, and then Blaney eleven, and Christopher Bell twenty three. So it's it's going to come down to Martinsville, man. I think there's going to be some shakeup points wise this weekend, and then it's going to come down to Martinsville, which again is really unfortunate because this car sucks at Martinsville. So have we done? Have they been to Martinsville this year? Yes, they have. Uh, it was before our podcast started. Though. It was before our podcast. And without pulling up Jeff Gluck's poll, I think it was one of the worst rated races 
of the year, if not ever. See, I need uh, to do the, I need to do these podcasts. This is how I learn about these tracks. So because if, it, it's just typically Marsville is a really exciting race. Like out of the races that I really enjoy, you got your super speedways, uh, minus Atlanta. You have Bristol concrete, not dirt, Bristol concrete, and you have Martinsville. Those are historically the, the races that I really enjoy watching. Probably throw Darlington in there as well because it's an old school track. But unfortunately, with this new car, uh, we've seen Bristol not be very good. Martinsville's been a dud. It's again, short tracks are not this this uh, car's strong suit, and hopefully NASCAR can get that fixed over the offseason as well. We'll see what happens. Looking forward to it, man. Have a good rest of your night. You too. Thank you, my friends. God bless. The Atop the Pit Box podcast is supported by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. With winter coming up, now is a great time to book a trip to Lake of the Ozarks, and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes for up to 19 people, so bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation, visit ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way.